You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of a lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. My name is Paul Barnett, and you are listening to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is basketball coach Dan Hughes. Dan is an American basketball coach with over 40 years' experience. He started his career as a head coach in 1978, ultimately coaching in the WNBA for 20 years, with stops at Charlotte, Cleveland, San Antonio and Seattle. He has coached the second most games in the league's history, 598, and is tied for third in victories with 286. He has twice coached teams to the WNBA Championship, the Seattle Storm in 2018 and 2020, and was twice named WNBA Coach of the Year in 2001 and 2007. And he was also an assistant for the USA women's team that won gold at the 2018 FIBA World Cup and at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Dan is a coach with both high integrity and empathy. He is a connector of people, finding ways for relationships to form so that the output is greater than the individual could produce alone. And he then takes great joy and satisfaction from seeing how these relationships produce success. He also embodies the critical leadership traits of selflessness, resilience and empowerment and shares some wonderful stories to illustrate these qualities in a way that makes you stop and reflect on your own character. Some of the other key highlights of the interview were his view that statistics can often leave you feeling empty 
and it's more important to condense them into priorities that people can act on. The importance of talking more about what you want people to do, not what they have done, so that it sets an understanding of what is required, and how you can become better at empowering people by being genuinely happy when other people are successful. This was a conversation that had me reflecting deeply on my own style afterwards, and I hope you enjoy it and get as much out of it as I did. And just before we go to the interview, if you're a first-time listener, you can check out our library of interviews with other great coaches at our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. And while you're there, if you'd like to help our show, which is fully independent and free from ads, you can follow the link to our Patreon page, where we offer exclusive content to our supporters. And now, please enjoy our interview with Dan Hughes. The Great Coaches Podcast. Good morning, Dan Hughes, and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Oh, I'm very, very excited to be here and, and looking forward to it. Well, thank you for carving out a little bit of time in your busy day to chat with us. Maybe just a real easy question to get us going. Dan, where are you in the world and what have you been up to so far today? Well, I'm in Beaver Creek, Ohio, which Ohio is where I grew up. Ohio is where I started my, I had my first head coaching assignment in 1978. I was the youngest men's high school basketball coach in the state of Ohio in 1978-79. And now I live about 30 miles from where I began my coaching. I was raised here in Ohio and had a lot of stops along my my way here. And this morning, you know, it's been a pretty typical morning for me. I get up, I work out every day, answer all my emails, do all those kinds of things, walk with my wife around this community. We walk about an hour, to be honest with you, come back, jump on the computer a little bit, shower up and go to work, whatever it may be. I'm doing a lot of broadcasting right now, preparing in some of those cases. I have a lot of conversations with when we were talking earlier, the phone will ring and, and people looking for jobs and things like that. I have a lot of those kinds of conversations. So my day is can take all kinds of turns as it goes on, but that, that's a normal start for me. Gee, and that's all before breakfast, Dan. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a busy day. <laughs> it's a full day. <laughs> so I'm really excited to get a little bit of your time. We interviewed Sandy Brondello uh, quite a while ago, and she had some wonderful things to say about you. So I feel like we're tying the circle a little bit today by, by chatting to you. Oh, it's a very two-way street with Sandy and Olaf, her husband. Just very, very proud of the fact that their first jobs in the WNBA were with me, both of them. But just... Incredible to have crossed paths with Sandy on several levels in several ways. And she continues to really, I think, resonate greatness in our league and internationally with Australia. Well, we're going to talk about your coaching tree. And we're also going to talk about that first job you had back in 1978. But what I'd like to do is maybe take you on a bit of a journey to get there and start with some of the great coaches that you've had access to and have worked with. There's people like Dawn Staley, Cheryl Reeve, Sandy Brondello, and on top of that, you've had experience with people like Pat Summit and Greg Popovich. So it's a really broad spectrum of coaches that you've had experience with. So Dan, from this perspective, what is it you think that the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? To be absolute honest with you, you know, you're talking about all those. I would throw Gino Ariyama in, in there because I had worked with him with USA Basketball for almost eight years in all kinds of ways, but they all have their own lane. And by that, I mean, they're all different, but they're kind of okay 
in who they are. They, they very quickly get to a point where they understand how they want to empower people. And there's different methods across the board of people you've talked about. There's two things that they all kind of have, I think. One is that they're constantly trying to improve themselves. They're kind of building a way to do that. But two, they're kind of secure in who they are. They don't sit and think, well, I got to be like so-and-so or I got to be like so-and-so. They kind of develop a lane of their own. And as they learn things, they bring it into their lane. And people can react to them because there's a consistency of wanting to get better, but by the same token, not trying to be something false. They're very genuine. That's the thing I noticed about a lot, all those people you kind of reeled off. So this sense of genuineness and this sense of learning, I'd like to pick that up a little bit because I want to go back to your university times because you, you graduated with a degree in physical education and history. And then in 1978, you earned a master's in education. Knowing what you know now, having met all these great coaches, these great leaders, what is it you wish they had have taught you at university that they didn't? Well, they did a pretty good job, to, to be honest with you. I had a unique kind of training, and, and I bet there's a lot of people out there like me, to be honest with you. I was pretty average. It's interesting when my college coach talks about me, he says, well, he's kind of an average, as an average player. I mean, I was on the basketball team. I, I was on the baseball team, but I was pretty average. I didn't really set myself apart uh, during those years, but what I did do was receive good training. Very good training as I look back. Maybe what I wish they would have taught me. I, I was always thinking out here, you know, way into the future, or I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a teacher. I was all those things. Maybe if I'd have been in the moment, I might have been a better player, just to be honest with you. But I was always thinking out there. But the truth is, I was well trained. Coaches, uh, and his name was Jim Burson, gave me an awful lot of things that I used right up through 40-some years of coaching. I went to my, the Miami University, and I worked for a guy named Daryl Hedrick. Major influence on me. Now, these are names that I don't know that are common, but they were impactful in my life. And then I think what started to happen with me is that I tried to model some of the, the great coaches you said. I didn't necessarily try to be them. I didn't try to be the people who influenced me. I kind of began to want to get as good as I could and be the best version of me. And that has really served me well. And I think, quite honestly, that, that the university that I went to, Muskingum University, prepared me well for that. But I just wish maybe I'd have been a little more in the moment. I think I was always thinking out here, maybe a little bit too much. And you've mentioned empowering several times already in this opening to this, this interview. You're known for it. People talk about your ability to empower them as being something that sets you apart. If there was someone listening that wanted to get better at empowering people tomorrow, what are some of the things you'd tell them to do straight away? Well, first of all, you have to genuinely be happy when other people are successful. And I know that sounds fairly simplistic, but a lot of us aren't built that way. We're really more about us. We're really about that. But you have to have a genuineness that... When you see people that, who cross your path and you see them successful or moving the bar in the right way, 
there's got to be a joy in your heart that rivals when it happens to you, because you're either going to be seen as, as genuine or not in a lot of situations. But that's the beginning point to me. The other thing that I found, and I found it through some events, leadership, if you're talking about the coaching field, leadership is not the end all for me. What the end all for me is to develop leaders. That's the end all. It's not so much what a great leader I am. What I need to be and what my mission is, is to develop leaders. And those, those are people that work with me. And those are people that play with me. And the, the way you do that is through an empowering, you're kind of on the job training and you're empowering, handing over the leadership to them in situations. And then you nurture it and watch it grow. And, and that's what I feel like the, the greatest calling is for me and for truly that coaching is about developing leaders. Dan, was there a, a person or event that helped you shape this philosophy or as you put it, this mission? I have always enjoyed other people's successes. That's not something that's really new to me. That's kind of been there, but the events that caught, you know, when, when I was a younger coach, I was much more of a singular dominant figure as a lot of us are, because in most cases, that's, well, that's kind of what we've seen. That's what we think it to be. But events happened to me. And, and the one that really shaped me was I was in uh, San Antonio and it's 207. And I am working with players and, and somehow through working with players, I, I'm having trouble walking and I'm coaching a game. And the team doctor says, Dan, you know, you're just struggling. Why don't you come in? Let me check you out. So I go in to check. He checks me out. He said, we need an MRI. And so he takes an MRI and he says to me, Dan, you know, you've torn your Achilles tendon and we need to get in there and fix it like right now. And I say, well, I got it. I'm off for three or four days here. Let's go in and do it. I'll, I'll be back. So, you know, not, not being real smart about about the reality. And he's like, no, you really shouldn't do that. I go, it's okay, Doc. I'll, I'll tell you what, he did the surgery. And, and, but then I show up to the game on Saturday trying to do all that I can, like a lot of us coaches would do. But the simple fact is that's a very, very serious kind of surgery. And the second thing was, as I was moving about, I, I herniated a disc in my back. So now I'm completely on, I'm flat out can't move on my back, healing from an Achilles tendon situation. And my team is about to take a road trip. And so now it's about really handing over to my assistants and to the team, the reality of, of I'm not going to be there. This is going to get done. It's going to have to get done without my presence, so to speak, in those situations. What I started to understand, and, and I had wonderful people around me. Uh, Sandy was one of those for example, and Olaf uh, was around and Brian Agler was another very successful coach. They were all around. So, so anyway, I just, I kind of handed over to them with discussions as much as I could from laying on my back and watched it be successful and watched if you can empower and coach your coaches, it's amazing what your reach now becomes in regard to your team. And then I, you know, it took me even into farther spots. I was around some people and, and Don Staley, you mentioned, but Becky Hammond, Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, 
these are really, really intelligent people. And my thinking was, well, if I can empower assistant coaches and people like that, why not go to the ultimate impact? And that's players. Why not involve the players in ways where I give them the freedom to really lead and do a good job of maybe talking to them about how to lead or making the decisions that I have to make, but give over some of that leadership to your leaders on the team. And that's, that's the path that really taught me a lot. And it all came because of that Achilles tendon situation. And then I've had other events. I've had cancer. I've fought cancer. And I had to turn the team over for nine games. But yet that year turned out to be probably one of my favorite years ever. But I didn't coach the first nine games of that year as I recovered from cancer surgery. I, I came back in and, and went on. And it's just, it's been my path, I think, God kind of said, it's not for everybody, but it's certainly my lane where I'm comfortable. It's been so successful for you. I mean, leadership groups, they've, they're coming to be more common now, but I guess early 2000s, it wasn't. If someone wanted to set this up, putting a leadership team in their community group, their sport team at work, wherever, wherever that is, what are the top tips set up for success? Well, you have to do your work beforehand. By that, I mean... If you want this kind of of self-servant leadership, so so to speak, you have to think about putting people in positions that can honestly handle that. The last thing you want is somebody who really doesn't want leadership. And there are people that don't want it. They just want to do their job, so Mm. to speak. It's not going to work with people like that. It, It will work with people who truly want the leadership. So you have to look and understand people to a point that that you say, yeah, this is a fit. This is a fit right here. Then the other thing that I think is important is communication and teaching. And I put the two together because a lot of people just don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to talk to other people. And, and you model that in a lot of cases. If you watch players talk to players, there is a tendency in a lot of times for people to, to say, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. And that, to me, is not the path that you really want to take. You want to talk more about what you want to do. And, and you want to set an understanding that probably what you do, as opposed to what you say, carries way more weight, way more weight. If you've got a leader on the court that's going to say, well, you got to block out, and then she's not blocking out, then transfer. But if you're setting an example of doing that, and then you learn how to talk and teach. I call it teaching. How to effectively teach. How do people learn? And you spend time enough to think about that a little bit. Then your transfer of leadership is much more effective. And, and, and I don't think it's to the point you never say don't do it. But I would say three to one, you're talking about what you want to do as opposed to the past and what you did. Because I know sometimes it just has to be that way. But you try very hard to talk about what you want to do together. And that has great teaching reality that I think leads to trust. And that's what it's all about. Whether, whether I trust the leaders on my team or whether the leaders on the team trust their teammates. If you can get that line strong, then you got something. So I'm going to take you back now to 1978, where we started this discussion when you were 22. 44 years ago, Dan, that's a long time to be involved in coaching, particularly at a head coach role. What are some of the 
things that you've seen change for the better and perhaps change for the worse over that time? What I've seen change for the better to me is that the landscape of basketball and the appreciation of basketball includes both men and women now in more of the view, especially with younger people. There, there is very much an appreciate, like, like I think some of the best proponents of women's professional basketball are the men who actually, when I was at the Olympics and we were playing in various medal games and, and the arena was basically isolated, except they allowed the men to be there, the, the men's team to be there because we were in the same bubble in regard to COVID and all those things. So, so they let them come to ours and we got to go to theirs. But when I'm sitting on the bench and I sneak a peek and I see Kevin Durant and Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr and Dermot Green and so on and so on, a bunch of, and they're up just cheering their hearts out. I mean, that that's my special little moment that people ask me, what, what was really special about the Olympics that you don't tell people that one? That one. Because, but there's an appreciation now that I think is better than there was in 1978. I think the look at basketball and what good basketball is and the appreciation certainly on the women's side has grown. And, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When my son grew up in, in San Antonio in his room, I could walk in and I could see Tim Duncan and I could see Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili, but I could also see Becky Hammond and, and Vicki Johnson and Sophia Young. And, and he had them all on his wall. And I thought, well, now that's a better world. What I don't think is better is that we've gotten so incredibly short-term at things. If we, we seem to embrace change just for change. And I think it has to do, I, I see it a little bit professionally, and I know money and things drive it. But boy, I see it collegiately and I see it in high schools where people just, they just want to move. They, they want to be re-recruited and sometimes not for healthy reasons, just because they want attention. And, and I don't, sometimes the, the, the act of teaching, you know, later is greater, is what I say. And, and I don't think that's made for a better world for younger men and women learning our game. And that's Probably the negative one I would point to. Dan, Dawn Staley says that you bring out the best in people, but who have been the mentors in your life that have brought out the best in you? Well, that, that, that's really interesting because I'm going to take you all over the world in, in certain ways. But Greg Popovich, I was 50 years old when I landed in San Antonio. And, 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 and I knew Pop well. I knew his assistants extremely well. I knew him well, but it wasn't so much that I just shared all these moments. It was that I watched him, that I watched him. And it was like a renaissance in, in, at, at the age of 50 to learn about leadership, to learn about handling teams. Because sometimes we get to 50 and we're pretty set in our way. And that can certainly happen. And a lot of times for good reason. But it allowed me to, to have such a view of how he ran those teams and what he brought out and, and, and what really furthered it to its really understanding was uh, my son was growing up there and was a good basketball player and started to be recruited by the United States Air Force Academy. 
which plays in the Mountain West. Well, anyway, Pop is a graduate of the Air Force Academy. And so I went over to him and recruited my son. And he, and he and my son created a little bond so that they could talk about this experience because going to the academy is a different kind of collegiate experience. That is, it, it's a wonderful level of basketball. It's you know, division one and it's the, the, there's pros coming out of the Mountain West, but you're in a military situation. But anyway, they had this discussion. And what I started to find was a lot of the leadership value that Pop has. I think the fruits of it came during his experience with the academy because I watched my son go through experiences. And the academy was very much about leadership. So the culmination of studying Greg Popovich, the culmination of my son going, and then really looking at the leadership pieces that he was going through and then looking back at Pop, that to me is just a priceless mentorship that came about in some, some unique ways. I've had some wonderful coaches that have done it and I've intersected some great people and borrowed from, from everybody. But that one is probably really special. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Professor Eric Knight, the Executive Dean of the Macquarie Business School, and he's just stepped out of the classroom. So, Eric, what skills do you think leaders need to develop today to impact tomorrow? I think tomorrow is going to be digital. So the skills that we need in leaders is, one, strategy, so that they can see the outside world and understand all the changes that are playing out. But two, a people skills, so they can work with people's inside world and motivate them to be able to see the issues that matter and find ways through so that we solve those problems together. Thanks, Eric. The master's programs at the Macquarie Business School, designed to empower you, challenge you, and transform the way you think. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What I love about that story is you were 50 when you found him as a mentor, and it just shows that Mentors are not just for young people, they're for right. whatever age you are in life. And they play such an important role in helping us grow and develop. So I think it's a, a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing it. Well, and I'll, I'll spin you just a little different thing. I, I, I love, have a love for music. Okay. I have a love for music, very much so. I'm not musical, but boy, I study music and I listen to music. And it's, my wife is a music teacher, so it's, it's, a, it's a full circle. But I have been influenced in my later years by some, some, some musicians that continue to define their craft in a big way. Uh, there's a guy named Richie Fure, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was in Buffalo Springfield. He was in Poco, who's become a very close friend to us. But watching him continue to, to be artful at excellence the rock group sticks. I, I, I've gotten to know them really well. They have incredible, like they put out like two or three albums 
And that one really, you know, when, when I went back to Seattle, I used that as kind of a model. You can have excellence in your 60s. And they, a lot of them were in their 60s at that point. And I thought they had made the best record they had ever made. And I said to myself, well, I can, I can do that. So anyway, there's lots of people that I draw some inspiration from, even outside the world of basketball. Dan, if I could take you on uh, back to basketball for a minute. It's such a stats-heavy sport. And I'm just wondering how you go about balancing this flood of data that must be coming at, at you with what you're actually experiencing courtside and how you marry both of those things together to make the best decisions you can for the team. Well, great question. And I think it is our world now. Now it's not so much about accumulating data. Like there was a time and place where that was hard and it was very useful. Now it's about prioritization, prioritizing what's important. And that has become the essence, I think, of successful coach. I know Coach Staley, you mentioned, and, and we talked a lot, and we were talking defensively, just a matter of priorities. What are your priorities? And it's the same way, I think, with the flood of, of data that you're talking about. I'm a little bit mathematical, so it helps me. It, 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 there's a little bit of that, that that I can do math in my head. I know you're supposed to show your work, but there, there's a reality that I'm, 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 that's actually one of the things that I, I have a decent aptitude at coming out of it. But making priorities. When I went to Seattle, I, I would talk to the team afterwards, and I know they got tired of it, but I had four factors that statistically we would watch highlights of the game we had just played every game. Every game is kind of our routine, every game. But I wanted to be able to make sense mathematically and statistically on four categories with them. And at first, I tried to teach them what those numbers meant. That didn't really transfer. I didn't feel successful like they even cared. What they cared about, well, is that good? Is that bad? Do we need to improve that? What do we got to do to improve that? And I started using those numbers in ways. And I just said to him, you know what? You saw on tape here, we did a good job of this. The reason this was good was because the ball moved. We had great. So we, our shooting percentage, to take that for example, was a reflection of our ball. Move. I could teach in those, in those moments in regard to that. But to me now it's about priorities because there are too many stats just, just leave you empty. But being able to make sense out of a priority of things that's good teaching and i think it's effective for the players to receive it too you talked a minute ago about having an aptitude for mental math well there's also something else i think you've got pretty good aptitude at and that's being married <laughs> you've been married for over 40 years mm -hmm. by all accounts it's a successful family although you do own up to missing the odd wedding anniversary because you've been having game commitments but i'd like to just in all seriousness, look at that from another angle and say, what is, what is the advice you have for other leaders, other people that are in these kind of jobs, you know, where they're struggling people, responsibilities and commitments? How do they find balance in their life? That's hard. That's hard. I think it's very important that in, in the life that we lead, you can, it goes back to priorities. You, you can have certain priorities that, that you've got to adhere to. Otherwise, the reality of your time can really go like this. And you have, I am a person of, of, of limited interest. I, I, I hate to 
say it that way, but I like my music, my family, basketball, my faith, and that's not it. I mean, I don't not, I've not in my life had time for golf or tennis, even though I like them both. I enjoy them. I don't have time to do some of the things that take your time in those situations. So it's a matter to me of priority. I do think you have to prioritize it. I do think that you have the one thing that my wife and I did, luckily, she was a real teammate with me. We've been a team since the beginning. And, and she married a, a, a guy and wanted to be a coach's wife. And I think it's important. She was a teacher and I, I married that. And, and, and so we allow that understanding as a beginning for our relationship. But she had to take the kids. Both my kids played Division I bat. My daughter played Division I volleyball and my son played Division I basketball. And if you're on those trails, you're probably doing all the AAU things and all the, 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 the things that lead up to that. And my wife was the one that did that and took them to a lot of those places. And because I was coaching in the summer, but we always made it a priority. She wanted to be at our games and the kids wanted to be at our games. But the priority was that if they had a game or they had a trip, that's where they went. And I went ahead and did my thing. Now, the other side of it is that during their school year and things was my off season and I scheduled my life around theirs and I scheduled my life around the events. My wife was a music teacher and she would have Christmas programs and what have you. I just made sure I wanted to be successful at the highest levels, but I did not want it to be at the expense of my relationships. I, I did not because to me, what I have found is relationships are the thing that actually is important, even greater than championships. And I've had championships and I, they, they, they're incredibly meaningful, but it, it, it would not have served me well to have championships and not have good relationships. Good relationships took a higher priority to me. Dan, you've been, you've been very generous with your time. I, I know it's getting close to lunchtime and you've got the phones probably ringing in the background. Maybe one last question if I could finish off with, and actually it builds on this idea of relationships. And I'd like to just play back a quote I found from you before I ask the question. And you say, the thing that defines me as an older coach is how much I have valued the relationships that I have formed with players, assistant coaches, and administrators. I feel very fortunate because the trail is left with a lot of strong relationships for my career. And so I guess to finish, I'd like to ask you, what is the legacy that you hope that these relationships have gone on and created? One that goes on past my coaching, one that that is in the, the, the lives of people that crossed my path and now they're doing their things and they're out there doing that. And that's the legacy I want. It's wonderful that I have a gold medal, a part of a gold medal team. It's wonderful that I have championships to point to and various things. That, that, that's all wonderful. But the thing that sustains me, and, and honestly, it, I, I almost feel selfish because at night I'll turn on the NBA, I'll turn on the WNBA, I'll turn on college basketball, both men and women. And there's hardly a night that I can't tune somebody in who've, who've been a part of our, our lives and get great joy 
from seeing that moment and then maybe seeing, you know, it play out good. I mean, to the point that, that how special is it that, that I'll text an NBA head coach, a couple of them at the end of the game and they'll answer me in, 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 in 15 to 20 minutes. I mean, I, I don't mean to brag, but who, who, how cool is that? I mean, it just, it just blows my mind. I'll say, Hey, great win tonight. Da, 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 da. And, and they'll text me back almost pretty consistently, but by that evening, in the next few hours, I, I don't know that that's the legacy I want to leave. I, I, I want to leave that the, the fruits of what I did are now passed on to other people who are doing things that, that hopefully maybe pass on to other people. And, and that certainly is a joy in our lives, watching people that do great things with their lives. I think joy, relationships, selflessness, and quick text messages back from NBA coaches <laughs> is a wonderful way to finish. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real privilege chatting with you and all the best for whatever comes next on the adventure, which is your coaching journey. I, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been wonderful talking and just wish the well and, and, and look to travel. I've traveled the world pretty good, but there's still some places I want to get to. And you've been a couple of them. So well, thank you. Great questions. We got appreciate a, it. We've got a pretty good brewery here in Romania, if you'd like to come over for a I know. I, 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 I told my wife. So Thank you, Dan. Hi, everyone. It's Jim here. You've been listening to the great coach, Dan Hughes. Some of the other key highlights for me were... His focus on not how great a leader he is, but rather how good he is at developing other leaders. How it's the relationships in his life that are more important than the championships. His view on modeling the type of communication he wants to see within a team. And how the great coaches want to empower people and at the same time are constantly trying to improve themselves. I hope you enjoyed this as much as Paul and I did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please reach out, let us know. Just like Jamie A. Innes, who, after listening to our episode with Sir Gordon Titchens, wrote, Brilliant. Love his passion. Keep up the good work. And the feedback from one of our own great coaches, Pokey Chapman, who said, Hands down, one of the best podcast interviews I've done. Jamie, Pokey, thank you so much. It's the interaction like this with people from all around the world who listen that give us great energy. All the details on how you can connect with us and other people who are interested in the leadership insights from great sports coaches are in the show notes.